Hey, welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Glad you could join me today or tonight or whenever you're listening. Sure, appreciate that. Hope you'll learn something today. I know I will. Our headliner today is Jared Moss, the owner trainer at Best Gun Dogs in Utah. And believe me, he can walk his talk. We'll be learning all about training pointing dogs with an emphasis on short hairs, if that's your breed. But you know as well as I that all this stuff is relevant to every dog every day. Sure looking forward to that. We'll also touch on a public hunting spot in Nebraska that brings back some fond memories for me. And then we'll start today with a little bit of Facebook discussion. Looking forward to that as well. How do you say here? or come, or whatever it is you do. Those are the topics for today, but let's start with your training situation. You are training, right? Most of you are, at least, according to the surveys I do every week at the Upland Nation Insights newsletter. So um, keep up the good work. You're conditioning your dogs. You're doing all sorts of other things as well. What's your priority? Well, mine is steady to wing shot and fall with flick and we're getting closer i'll get to that in a minute first great training morning with some folks from our navda chapter always love getting together with them because well most of the dogs are as ugly as mine also you never know what you're going to learn from somebody about something whether it's where to catch big cutthroat trout or where they're having a great hatch right now i'm not telling you I'm just saying, if you get involved with a club, you're going to get all sorts of benefits besides a good magazine and uh, in an annual fundraising banquet. Thank you, everybody over there. I got lucky. You know, I've told you I've been working on my shooting, and uh, I got to gun for for a number of the dogs today, and uh, knock wood, things are coming together on that front because, of course, once you get up that high on the pedestal, Flick comes and knocks you down. Like they say, two steps forward, one step back. Working on flick with some, some um, we'll call them carded pigeons coming out of the launcher. They'll fly about 50, 80 feet, and then they'll crash. Well, this one didn't fly 50 or 80 feet. It flew 50 or 80 inches, and gosh dang it, I thought he was solid enough to not put that little uh, gut hitch on him, but no. He crashed in and took that bird and then would not give it back. Have you been there? Yeah, we went back. We've worked four more times today with spaces in between. So uh, we're getting back to where we were. Maybe a few too many stimuli at one time there. We had a gun. We had my wife. And that was just way more than he could handle at that stage in his development. So you back up a little bit get back to basics, and start again. Works for us. Hope it's working for you. And speaking of training and related things, uh, just curious. You know, I talk about this a lot in seminars and when I'm at Pheasant Fest and organizations like that. What are the words that you use? Uh, I thought I'd narrow it down on Facebook. One of the questions I asked was, I, I use here because some old-timer trainers said it's a lot easier to yell loud. What do you do? 
Well, Joel Witt says he used to use cum, but changed to here. It carries further and better in windy conditions. Chris Wright says, I use easy if I want him to slow down. I use close if he's getting too far away. I use no if he's being stubborn. I use ah. Well, that's quite a lexicon there, Chris. Um, good luck. <laughs> I've got about the same number. I wonder what the total number is for most of us. Nick Spurlock says, come followed by a hand out. He runs and touches his nose to my hand and gets his praise. You know, the agility trainers do that. Nick, did you get it from them or did they get it from you? Mike and Erica Carr say heel is come and heel. You know, I heard that from a, who was that trainer uh, we talked about a while back? What's the difference? You know, you want a dog to come to you and stand at your heel. Why two commands? Good idea. Mike Sims is a shout out here kind of guy. Brian Campbell as well. George Cummins uses the come command and raises his right arm. I use that as well, but I wiggle my arm back and forth. That helps. Dogs can see motion better than they can see stationary objects. Let's see here. Here, here, here. Mark Silcox here carries better. And come always sounds funny to be in the field. All right, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, Mark. Hope to see you at the next NAFTA training session, by the way. Lonbaugh is still old school using cum. Found it beneficial when hunting with my friends who use here. You know, I'll tell you a field trial story one, one day about uh, two trainers braced together using the same whistle commands, the same hand signals, and the same verbal commands. And how that ended up in one dog being picked up real fast. Nope, not mine. <laughs> anyway, here seems to be the consensus, and I understand completely why. All right, we got Jared Moss just about ready over there. His light is blinking, but before we can get to him, I want to just remind you, the Upland Nation podcast is brought to you by Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, crafted at the highest caliber not a half hour ago, I was using their CLP on one of my side-by-sides. Needed a little bit right there. And yeah, with that and a little nudge and everything fit perfectly. Also, the new modifiable bore cleaning kit. Free shipping all the time. If you love great hunting photography, go to the Facebook page, Sage and Breaker. Fred Bohm ought to be doing that professionally. Sageandbreaker.com. And if your gun is clean and functioning well, unlike mine, then you got to go over to HuntHuronSD.com. Welcome back, everybody, at Huron, South Dakota, my favorite South Dakota destination. More pheasants than people. Oh, about 140,000 acres of public access. I'll be telling you more Huron stories in the next few weeks. Learn all about what they have to offer from the Ringneck Festival and the Bird Dog Challenge to the public access of all types. It's all at Hunt Huron SD. That's H-U-N-T-H-U-R-O-N-S-D dot com. Yeah, just so excited to have Jared Moss with us today. Jared uh, knows his stuff inside and out, and uh, he's one of us. You know, he loves to hunt. He loves to train. He's got German dogs, and uh, 
What else could a guy ask for? Jared Moss of Best Gun Dogs, welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am too. I'm excited that you could join us. Uh, you know, we don't talk to a lot of uh, what I'll call Western dog trainers. There, you know, there's a hotbed, you know, on the other side of the Mississippi. But there's some great dog trainers out on our side as well. And so, tell me a little bit about you, your your background, your training operation, what else you're doing. Give me the backstory there. Sure. Um, born and raised in Utah, southern Utah. Grew up uh, doing a lot of fishing as a young man with my dad and doing some mule deer hunting. And then we kind of gravitated towards upland hunting. And when we did that, we quickly figured out we needed a, a bird dog to get some of these desert birds out of the cactus and out of the tamaracks. And, and um, had an uncle that had a bird dog at the time. And he brought a bird dog. His name is Dale Osborne. He brought a bird dog, a short hair at the time. And that was like, I remember we were chasing these birds for months without too much success. If you got one down, you had a hard time recovering that bird. And then when my uncle brought down that short hair, we didn't miss a bird. And we recovered everything that we were able to get. And, um, man, when that happened, it was like lightning in a bottle for me. From then on, I had to have a bird dog. You know, that was the, that was the spark. That, fascinating. Mine was at the other end, at the front end of the transaction. You you talk about how it was so nice to actually shoot something and have it brought back. <laughs> that that took me a whole year of hunting. Uh, but in the meanwhile, I got to watch dogs point here, there, everywhere, and and that's yeah. what mystified me. So, it, what, what's the whole package for you? Oh, definitely. We love pointing dogs. You know, at, at that time, we were hunting a dog that had grown up, uh, that had grown up on pheasants. And so when we brought her down to the desert quail, she was kind of like, what are we doing? So we, she retrieved everything and then, and then we didn't lose anything. And for me, that was huge, but that was just the tip of the iceberg. As soon as I figured out these dogs would actually go out and point the birds, mm -hmm. then, it, then it was just, yeah. So we fell in love with the pointing dogs from day one. Well, so how'd you get from there? and your uncle to yep. best gun dogs and a, a training operation. Yeah, we're a full-time training and breeding facility. And I, I was really fortunate. I had some great mentors. Um, I had an uncle that was into bird dogs. And then I had my, my mom um, had another, another brother who knew a guy that trained dogs and anyway that gentleman became a really close family friend and a great mentor and he would come and pick me up at the time I was 15 and he would come on Saturday mornings pick me up and take me training and man it just lit a fire from there and after it almost every Saturday all summer long I would train bird dogs with this hunting club in southern Utah and uh real great guys and they were really good to a 15 year old boy and they were really patient and once, once I started training my first dog, then I got my second dog, and then I got my first Toyota pickup, and I could go to these fun hunts, we called them. They were events where, similar to a NAVDA event or a NASTRA event today. And, man, I was showing up as a 16-year-old boy in my rusted-out Toyota pickup truck and 
giving these guys that were 40 years old a, a run for their money. A lot of times we were doing really well. We were doing well and we had a lot of fun. I love it. And you're so lucky. I, I got to say that because I'm, uh, I didn't, I didn't glom onto this world until, uh, I was over 30 years old and, uh, wow. now it's, I'm making up for lost time. So don't feel sorry for me <laughs> unless you see me shoot, then you can give me all the sympathy you want. I, well, I remember growing up as a kid, seeing you on, um, on TV and watching uh, Midway USA and, and what's ironic is when you called me uh, a few days ago and we were chatting, I knew exactly who you were just because I listened to your voice every Saturday morning for <laughs> half of my childhood. And I was like, I know this guy. And oh. I couldn't get your name at the tip of oh, my tongue. Oh, that is but so I knew funny. Who it was. <laughs> well, I'm flattered. And, uh, and uh, with luck, you'll be able to listen to me for a lot longer. Uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. But in the meanwhile, you know, let, let's just talk a little bit about, uh, about the, the whole training thing. And yeah, we'll get sure. a little wonky in here, but that's okay because everybody who listens wants to be a better trainer. So what do you think is the, is the most important thing? What is your overall umbrella philosophy about dog training that will guide us if we follow it? You know, as a kid, I would get every book and every DVD I could get my hands on. I would go to every seminar I could. And then I got older and I was able to go across the country and go see some of these different professionals. And, man, I, I'm still to this day, I think, overall, I think we always have to be learning. We always have to be trying to get a little bit better and a little, adapt a little bit more or pick up a technique here. For me, it's it's really boiled down to trying to have a very simple process. Um, about 10 years ago, I, I ran into Dave Walker, who is a Hall of Fame dog trainer up in Idaho. I had a beer with Dave once. Yep. And uh, Dave's method, and this is the same method that Bill West, Bill Gibbons, Maurice Lindley, uh, Dave Walker, these guys, these guys have all kind of perfected, but it's a very distilled, simple quiet calm kind method and it's all about building this bond with the dog and i had done all these other methods out there and when i saw dave work those dogs for the first time and with a leather training collar and a really nice you know lead rope and he was slow and methodical in his process i went wow i've been doing i've been doing some of these things that would take you know, three to six weeks to get something done because I was mechanically trying to train. Mm -hmm. And I watched Dave slow down and connect with these dogs and be very slow and methodical and had a system. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, I've been doing this the hard way. I, you know, you don't have to have every training and I had every woe post and every woe board and woe barrels and we had this and that and this and all these 500 or the other, you know, $10,000 of equipment just to teach a dog to point and hold point. And I was like, wait a minute, Dave's really got this system down. So for me, it's about building that bond and connecting with the dogs and having a really simple distilled process. You know, the, the, that last word of not process, the second to last word distilled really really sums it up and and Dave by the way Dave Walker was an incredible influence on so many people uh I'm just grateful I got to spend an evening with him once by mistake but I'm not going to complain not one dang <laughs> bit um but he he has that attitude and and we talked off mic before we started about frustration and and mine today but uh <laughs> 
you know, and I know others, and I, you know, I've spent a lot of time with Ronnie Smith, and Ronnie's the same way. He'll say, don't get mad, don't right. get frustrated. And exactly. he and his cousin Rick, they both, they, they are they are on the level. They are right here all the time. If, if you had a, an oscilloscope, it would be a flat line. Uh, yeah. How do you maintain that calm in the face of a dog that breaks point and steals the bird? <laughs> asking for a friend yeah right so i think we all get frustrated and i know there's different points where we get frustrated in training and and you look at the smiths and you look at these guys that are hall of fame dog trainers and they were all able to stop and smile and take a deep breath and go okay you know i know i know how to fix that problem and i i as a young trainer you want to get frustrated you get frustrated because you're like man you're not supposed to do that so if you don't if you're not supposed to do that, how do I fix that? Or, or how do I communicate to you that you shouldn't, that's not what we're after. And I think it really just boils down to taking a deep breath and realizing, you know, every dog has his own quirks and his own makes his own mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, it's with some patience and some repetition and then having these good mentors, these guys like the Smiths and these people that have been training for 50 years and calling them up on the phone and saying, Hey man, I'm stuck on this one. Like, what do I do? And they just smile and they know because they've seen hundreds and hundreds of dogs and make thousands of mistakes and they know how to help you work through them. And it's really typically not a hard thing. It's usually just going back and revisiting the basics and, and reestablishing some, doing some groundwork. I'm going to use a term that I don't use very often. It's nexus. Okay, so um, for, those, for those of us who are music majors, um, what that means is where the two really important things come together. And, gotcha. and, and, um, and Rick and Ronnie are perfect examples. Dave Walker, I never worked with him with dogs, just with cans of beer. But um, I bet he's got it too. We look at them and we say, man, those guys are like they're dog whisperers. They just watch right. that dog and then they, it's like the guy who comes in and they, they pay him $50,000 to find the, the, what's wrong with the machine. He makes a chalk mark right in the right spot. <laughs> you know, these guys, have, they got it down. They found that the crossroads where the two things come together, but they don't come together right. Yeah. How hard is that to focus on? I mean, because really that's what it gets down to, isn't it? Yeah, it's really about slowing down and reading that dog and knowing, knowing when to go forward and, and to expect a little more and sometimes when to back up and relax and let that dog have some fun, make some mistakes, and then go back and correct them later. And, and it's, 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 it's kind of a dance. You know, there is an art to it. Um, you do, I, do, I personally like to have a system because if I'm on step C and I mess up, I can go back to step B regain that confidence with the dog and then come back and try step C again. But there is, there is some magical dance there sometimes where these guys that have been training for, you know, 150, like I said, years and years and years, hundreds of dogs and knowing, okay, that dog's just not understanding what we're trying to get to. Let's try a little different approach or a little different tweak. You know, I, 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 I wrote this in a book a while back and I don't practice it as much as I preach it, but when you're looking at a dog and he's doing something right or he's doing something wrong, seldom do we actually think to ourselves, why is that happening? Exactly. Why is he doing what he's doing? We just right. fix it or try to fix it. Yeah. 
it, we live in this world of just quick fixes, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so we get in that scenario where it's like, oh, I can click on Amazon and order something. It'll be here in two days. And dog training is not that way. Dog training is about slowing down and going, what's he thinking? What's yeah. going through his head? Why, why is he thinking that he should do that or this or, and then really good dog trainers are able to kind of get into that dog's head and understand the way that they're thinking. Yeah. You know, if, if we had a little signal or we had, you know, like the, the, the anger management people, if we had a rubber band around our wrist and every time our dog did something we didn't want, we had to snap <laughs> that rubber band, it would cause us to think a moment just to pause. Yeah. But, and I was grateful. Yeah. Thank you, darling, for being out there with me when my dog screwed up today because she reminded me he's a dog. He's a dog. Yep. Of course, I was still really mad, but but we're, we worked through it, and um, I'm going to found the 12-step program, and you're welcome to join me. Um, and so is everybody else. You're listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. That's Jared Moss with Best Gun Dogs. He's out of, you know, whereabouts in Utah are you? I know you're from St. George. I gave a speech there many, many years yeah. ago, but you're, you're, not, you're near there, but not in St. George. Am I right? Correct. I grew up in southern Utah, down in St. George, Utah, but we live about uh, three hours south of Salt Lake City yeah. in a little town on I-15 called Beaver, Utah. Puts us right in between Las Vegas, Nevada, and Salt Lake, right there in the yeah. interstate. I had lunch there as a kid once. Yep. Um, if you if you blink, you will miss it. Yes, you will, and <laughs> I'm sure that cafe is long gone. Bestgundogs.com is where you can learn all about his philosophy and uh, what he's doing. Hey, why just short hairs? I mean, not just short hairs. Why mainly short hairs, Jared? Um, you know, as a as a kid growing up, and as we as I got hunting from the story we've talked about going forward, we would spend a lot of time in Arizona and in the cactus and in the cattails and we'd be hunting all day and we'd set up a camp a dry camp out there in the desert and then we'd pick cactus out of our dogs all night by the campfire <laughs> and and uh you know and and i could distinctly remember this one time we had fritz up on the tailgate of the truck and we were trying to use the campfire and the headlights to pick cactus out of this dog and he'd given me everything he'd hunted hard all day long and his pads were cut and they were tore and we were picking cactus out of him and he was bleeding over here and doctoring him up over here and then he fell asleep right there by me you know and the next morning we got up and we did it all again and the heart of a short hair is just it's just something very spectacular and i fell in love with that breed because here they would give me everything they had cut pads tore feet you know if i was all busted up and bruised and cut my feet were cut i probably wouldn't be hunting the next day yeah but here this dog was in the heart the heart of that dog the no quit drive and then the willingness to please was just so much for me that um they have a place a special place in my heart and they always will you um you're breeding too so you're you know you're you're looking at confirmation you're looking about at all all the important stuff on the pedigree but then you're looking yes. for that heart as well aren't you i am and i've driven all over the united states i've flown all over the united states i've we've been to every major you know kennel out there that has a breeding program and shook hands and yeah we've been very fortunate and i you know there's some great great people that have spent their life breeding this this german short hair the dog that we're after today 
and my hat's off to them. You know, I've been fortunate enough to bring some of those dogs together and kind of weave a tapestry of what we're after. But it's because people have been breeding for 50, 60 years that we're able to do that today. So my hat goes off to those kind of guys that it's, you know, part of their life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I get my wire hairs from a, a kennel like that and, and I will never, never go anywhere else. I just, I'm dazzled every time I pick up a new puppy. So, uh, keep up the good work. What, what are the things besides what we've talked about so far? What are the other things you're trying to breed for in your string? You know, one of the things that we needed when I took a, I looked at my wife and I said, Hey, we're going to go for this full time. Uh, we had an insurance business at the time and we were kind of transitioning over to the training facility full time. And I have four kids and those kids are my life. And I wanted my dogs to be a part of my family. So I needed a short hair. I needed a dog, a hunting dog that could come in the house, sit by the campfire, sit and watch football on Friday night. And then on Saturday morning, he could flip a switch and go to the field and be this, you know, machine and, and this beast in the field but then come home and have the respect and intelligence with my kids. And so we were on the hunt for that. And that's what we're really after is just a true companion dog that, you know, we're fortunate enough. Now we have dogs all across the country. We have dogs that are doing detection work. We have dogs. I have one dog right now that's uh, with a, a gentleman who called me last week and he, the dog is, can sense anxiety. Oh yeah. And he, and he's doing uh, therapy type work. And his wife actually was pregnant at the time and was having premature labor and they didn't know it. And the dog kept signaling, Hey, something's wrong with mom. Something's wrong with mom. Well, if we come to find out the very, that later that evening, they had an emergency <laughs> emergency at the, at the hospital with the baby and the mom and everybody's okay. But the guy called me and he's like, Jared, you're not going to believe this. He was, he was totally signaling to me that, my wife was having these episodes and I was brushing it off as nothing. And, you know, I know better because he's been taught to, you know, he's been taught to signal anxiety or, or high blood pressure or high, you know, these kind of wow. things. So well. we've got dogs that are doing so many different things today. They're so much a part of the family. They're so much a part of our lives. They just live in kids' bedrooms. They, they live with the family and then they go hunting. Yeah. And so that's what we were after. And, we've been fortunate enough to, to produce that well you you're good i'm glad to hear that it sounds like things are working in that regard you're creating a, an empath empathetic line is what you're doing these dogs are they're um, they, they're using their instinct in ways that is beneficial to everybody it sounds like exactly so um, we're, we're just getting started here at the Upland Nation podcast. Lots more to talk about, some more kind of practical stuff in the training world and in the hunting world. And don't forget, of course, I'll clue you into one of my favorite public access spots in the Midwest. So uh, stick around. Uh, Jared, you take a moment to uh, get a sip of water or two while I uh, ask for people's attention here. And then we'll be back and talk more to Jared Moss of Best Gun Dogs as well. So don't go away. If you would, please subscribe, rate, or review the Upland Nation podcast at Apple Podcasts. I'd sure appreciate that. 
And if you will tell one friend that you enjoy listening, that will grow us exponentially. So thank you in advance. The Upland Nation podcast is also brought to you by Happy Jack. They've got remedies for everything from pad problems to skin and coat problems. Just finished a video for them. It's up on, well, any place you can find me, you can find that new Happy Jack video. It's all about your dog's suit of armor and all the things we should do to make sure that his coat and skin can protect him from day to day to day to day in the field and all year round, even in the house with Jared and his family. Learn more about them at happyjackinc.com. It's about flea season here. Slapped a mosquito at the pond today, so we're getting that as well. Prepare for all of that with all of the remedies at happyjackinc.com. And Jared Moss with bestgundogs.com. You still there? You bet. <laughs> I always worry about that because, well, mainly because I'm I'm pushing the buttons today. Um, tell me, that's a pretty lofty name for a kennel. Yeah. <laughs> Who picked that? One of the kids? <laughs> no, it was actually a really good friend that was helping me in the, and he was more tech savvy in the in the computer world and website world, and anyway. It, he, he kind of picked it 10, 15 years ago, and then it just stuck, and we've rolled with it ever since, and it's come, come to work out. Yeah, you know, if, yeah, and I'm learning this stuff every day. Uh, though, if, if you like, if, if you really want to capitalize on search engine marketing, you right. couldn't come up with a better name for a kennel and a, and a website. And a website, that's yeah. right. Great. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. talk training for a little bit. What are the, what are the most important things you think – uh, a dog needs to know uh, to be a good hunting dog. Great question. I I always think of safety first, and so our very first command that we work with our puppies at a very young age is just a recall command. For some people, it's here. Some people, it's come or come here, or who knows whatever word they use. But some type of recall command I think is is super important. I've been in South Dakota before, you know, and I've seen dogs. Uh, get injured or get hurt because of the country road there's you think you're out in the middle of nowhere and then here comes this truck just to fly in so being able to pull that dog back to you uh, safety I think is number one and that that allows you to go out in the field and and be comfortable in your mind knowing hey to come across a porcupine or a skunk or I need to keep my dog off of a road I can get him back to me so I think recall recalls number one um, and then again you can't make a bird dog without birds so you got to get him exposed to some type some birds um, we use a lot of chuckers here in, in utah it's a hardy bird they're tough and they're you know we can do a lot of training uh, we use a lot of pigeons and we use some quail but you got to get a dog exposed to birds you got to get him excited about birds and you got to have fun i think those those things get that fire ignited at a young age what define a dog having fun what what would he tell me he's uh, he's doing when he's having fun one thing that we like to do with like our 10 week 10 to 12 week old puppies is we'll take a pigeon and we'll clip the flight feathers on one side and we'll toss that pigeon out there in a really short cut grass field 
and just let that puppy run around and chase that bird, get a smell, get a whiff of it. We've probably done some introductory work with uh, with just a wing mm-hmm. or 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 a dispatch bird, you know, so that the, the puppy understands what the smell is and he yeah. doesn't get wing beat right off the bat. But after we get those couple first in, engagements going and he knows what that smell is, if the genetics are right and he smells that bird, it's going to be like a kid on Christmas morning, man. He's just going to light up and he's going to want to chase and pursue and try and catch it and point it and jump on it and mouth it. And so it's, that to me, I think, is when they're showing me they're having a lot of fun. That tail's just a cracking. Well, you know, you uh, you have them from day one. We get them on day 49 a lot of times, although we can debate that someday on a podcast as well. But, sure. um, but you know, before that, you know, the, those earliest, earliest days, their their eyes are open, they're starting to move around a little bit, and then they become mobile enough. When do you start introducing feathers and, and wings and all that and, and showing a dog bits of bird, if nothing else? Yeah, I think you could do the wings as young as maybe six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, we're just getting on the ground, getting on the floor, socializing. Yeah, I think that's the big thing for us. And my kids are a big part of what we do, and the, and the puppies get to roll around on the ground with Kip and Kinsley, and you know sometimes they even get a little too much exposure because mm-hmm. Kip's mm-hmm. over there chokeholding them and <laughs> carrying them across the counter and whatever. And it's like, no, 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 no. You got to be soft and gentle with these little guys. So getting on the ground and playing with them and exposing them and just, and just being there holding them and twisting them and playing on, tugging on their ears and tugging on their tail. And that's something that it's really hard to replicate if you don't have kids. Oh yeah. And you know, part of that whole process, I'll call it uh, conditioning in the broadest sense of the term Sure, is gunfire. And, and that debate or that question comes up weekly with me yeah so you know in a hundred words or less uh what's your process for that we just sent home a dog today that came to us for a gun shy issue oh, wow. and that guy is so happy mm. he brought us a gun shy dog and then at middle of march and here we are in june and he's going home and that guy's he's he's excited that we were able to correct the problem um so instead of having that happen <laughs> let's get those 10 week old puppies those 12 week old puppies and take them with us you know around we live in a small community so we we have to create scenarios where they are exposed to a loud noise like a pot's banging or the trucks honking or the tractor backfiring one of the great ways to do it is have find a construction site where they're roofing a house or doing something and you're hundreds of yards away, but out in the background, there's these popping and banging and things going on and those subtle little things that you can do. For us, though, I think the number one thing is we get the birds. We get the, the excitement of the bird. We get that dog so so excited about the bird that we can introduce the gun in, con- in conjunction with that bird off in the distance in a very systematic way that we don't create problems later on. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and just for the record, you'd never introduce a, a dog to shotguns by taking them to the trap range, right? No, okay. I get that call every year. Just want to <laughs> just want to be very clear about yeah, that. That one. is like the number one mistake is, it, oh, we were going out in the hills or we're going to the trap range, and we threw the dog in because we had the guns and we thought we'd introduce him while we were out there, and I'm and it. 
99.9% of the time, that is a, a bad event, and I get that phone call so often. So don't do that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, playing devil's advocate there. Uh, I would never yep. do that. Kids, don't try that at home. Okay. You know, um, there's praise, and there's what I'll call correction. And we'll start with praise. What are the things that you use to reward a dog? And in the broad sense, you know, uh, what, yeah. what are the things that come to mind? What's in your arsenal of praise and praise items? Uh, affection. Mm -hmm. And that can be a high-pitched voice. It could be an excitement voice. It could be a pat or a rub. I think affection goes a long way with creating its bond. We use feeding time as a training time, yeah. and so we take the our, just the kibble that you're going to feed that puppy anyway, and we'll do a short little either a recall drill or awaken his nose drill where we're hiding a few pieces of kibble and teaching him to use his nose, and just using those things, those are great starting points. You know, I a lot of the treats today can be just feeding the gut bugs, you know, and mm -hmm. so make sure you're using a good quality treat if you're going to use treats. But a lot of times you can just hand feed your dog and use, use a lot of praise, a lot of affection and dogs that uh, have to do a little bit of work for their kibble at night or in the morning. They learn really quick. Hey, the way to get fed is by being a good young man or, you know, a good lady. And, yeah. and that means not being crazy and wild. George uh, Hickox calls it their paycheck, and uh, it's it's go. absolutely true. But you you hit on something else, and I'll never forget this. I was in somewhere in South Dakota hunting with uh, real German wire hairs that test and excel in Germany, and wow. the, and their owner trainer and her trainer's guides were women. They yeah. all were, and and they they spent three quarters of their praise budget on high pitched praiseworthy talk <laughs> and the dogs, they fell for it all the time. And right. you mentioned it and, and it and we might sound and look silly doing it, but you know, you experiment a little bit. It's true. Yeah. They, they relate to a little bit higher pitched sounds. I think they do. We call it uh, Christmas morning when I try when I'm trying to explain to people when that first puppy picks up that first bird and he's running around all proud about it and he comes over by you instead of trying to reach down and touch the bird or, or anything like that just act like it's Christmas morning and get that kind of Mickey Mouse voice and praise him up and love him up and just make him feel like when I picked up my first bird dad acted like it was Christmas and that was cool. And so we try to use a lot of that affliction as much as, you know, in your voice and in your body and, and the way you touch them and, and get all excited. We talked about one of the things we should never do, and that's introduce gunfire by going to the range. Um, what are some of the other dumb things that we dog hunting dog owners do that you, you just, you slap your, you roll your eyes. Um, I, I think we, uh, we, we try to go too fast too soon yeah i, I learned I, that we, this afternoon by the way <laughs> <laughs> i think that's one thing that dave taught me and i i distinctly remember calling him one day and saying hey you know i've had this dog at my kennel for 54 days now and this is the issue i'm having and he's like jared slow down <laughs> slow down like you need the slower you go the faster you'll get there 
and I'm like, what are you talking about, Dave? This is how you should do it. And, and, uh, and he says, oh, you young whippersnappers, you want to teach 47 different commands, and a dog's proficiency is like 20% on those 40 commands. He says, why don't you slow down and teach three or four commands and have proficiency at 100% on those four commands and then build from there? And it was like lightning bolt for me. So I think, you know, the biggest mistake a lot of us make is we get so excited with the puppy and so excited with this young dog. And by the time he's one, he's going to be a master hunter. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, there's probably some dogs that can do that. And there's probably some trainers that can get a dog to do that. But for the calming person, slow down. The slower you go, the faster you'll get there. Get really proficient at three or four things and build on that foundation. That I think that would, if everybody would just slow down, <laughs> Amen. we'd get there faster. You know, and I, I'm going to add to that, uh, uh, and you, you've been there and you've done that. I was there this morning. You, you, we, we have these warped sense of where a dog should be in its life and its development based yeah. on the one dog we read about in the magazine that like you said got a utility prize one at nine months old or something like that right when most dogs aren't that uh most uh women are not kim kardashian or whoever you whoever your ideal is uh right. But the way to get a sense of perspective is to go to these dog events and watch. I, you know, like I said, I've been lucky enough, despite my shooting, to be a gunner at three dozen, four dozen of those. And you get out there in the field with a dog that on any given day would be a rock star. Um, and he's crashing in on birds today. And so you develop a better perspective for all of that only by seeing 50 80 100 different dogs work in the field no doubt yeah i think that's you know in the world we live today i my kennel exists because we're all so busy doing all these other things and we have attorneys we have lawyers we have doctors we have contractors we have you know there's only so many hours in a day and to to slow down and be able to spend those time with those dogs and be able to read them and and know when it's time to go forward and when it's time to back up and when it's time to push and when it's time to relax. You know, at, at dog training, it's, 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 uh, you have to get off the freeway. And it's like <laughs> traveling on the old dirt road, you know, the slower you go and, and, uh, learning to, to, to communicate with those dogs. Well, let's climb, let's climb into the old pickup that still has the crank up windows. I, I actually <laughs> talked to somebody who owns a car like that still. Um, I guess they still make them. Um, what should we, we talk about what we should never do. What should yep. we always do with our dog, whether it's in training or in the field? I think the number one thing that I tell my clients to do is to check your own weather. <laughs> so if you're coming home from a bad day at work and you're going to go work with Mr. Uh, you know, Fritz in the backyard, your, your buddy, and you're going to go do some dog work because by golly, it's time for him to be a dog. And you're carrying a bunch of bad emotions and a negative day. You better stop and have whatever your favorite cool beverage is, and you better breathe for a second and clear your forecast, clear your mind, quit, get rid of all that baggage and that stuff, and then go do your work. And and same with you know if you're shooting in the field, um, before you go out in the field, before you even get out of the truck, make sure you're managing those 
sometimes it's excitement and i have done i am guilty of this we drive 18 hours to get to south dakota it's that first morning we're going to be there the roosters are going to be there the dogs are ready to go and i come out of the truck and the first thing i tell everybody is we're all going to walk nice and slow up this slough we're all going to work together as a team and let the dogs do the work and guess what we all do the very first day we all walk really fast and we blow by birds we're pushing dogs in front of us and we're all excited yes and and that you know the excitement of the hunt you see a few birds jumping out in front of you and you think you got to walk faster and Oh, I've done it so many times. So <laughs> make sure you're checking yourself and checking your excitement. Slow down and let those dogs use their nose. Let them do the work. Let them, let them experience that. Yeah, so what if they make a mistake? But just slow down. And slow down and enjoy it. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the hunt. Enjoy the training. Slow down and enjoy everything with that dog. And I think you'll you'll be really surprised how fast he'll pick things up and how much better of a dog he'll be. I have quotes from musicians all over my office, and one of them that is right in front of me as we speak is apropos to this discussion. If you don't know who Ray Wiley Hubbard is, well, you ought to find out. But uh, that's for you all to do in your off time. Right now, pay attention to his number one bit of advice. He says... And the days that I keep my gratitude higher than my expectations, well, I have really good days. And I think that is exactly what you're describing there, Jared Moss at Best Gun Dogs. Exactly. We we just gotta we just gotta make sure we understand what our capabilities are. Our by O U R I mean the team, the dog and the human team. Yeah. So um, man, I think we could wrap the whole podcast on that one quote. That yep. is, that is the best advice I think we could all take. And if and if you were ever a, a rock guitar player, listen to the, su- the the song it comes from. It's called "The Mother Blues" from Ray Wiley Hubbard. It, it it is a, it is a three and a half minute long joke. I <laughs> uh, won't tell you more about it. It's for you to learn about, and uh, and I hope you will. Um, you know, what are the things uh, we know there's a whole bunch of stuff we should buy. And, you know, I've been asked that, you know, 20 times, Hey Scott, give me the shopping list. I'm buying a new puppy. Well, buy a good puppy first and then build a pigeon coop. Uh, but what are the other things on your shopping list for dog training and even for bird hunting that we might not have thought about? Um, I think the basics are make sure you're feeding them not a really good nutritional diet for your dog, a balanced diet. I see a lot of fads coming out with raw this and raw that, and we've even done the raw thing, and it's like, you know what? There's a reason that dog kibble exists, and, and really good manufacturers of really good dog kibble give that dog everything he needs from one end of the spectrum to the other. So nutrition is huge, especially in your dog who's developing his muscles and his skeletal Mm -hmm. system. Um, There's nothing that I could say more about having a really nice ID collar with a name tag on it in case he ever gets away. And the second thing I think is just a really good old-fashioned heavy leash rope. You know, we use the check cord for everything. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. the basis for everything, having a real good check cord. If you're going to get fancy and get the electronic stuff and and get the e-collars that are out there, man, there's some great stuff out there and great manufacturers. Make sure you do just a little bit of homework and get the one that you need for whatever it is that you are trying to accomplish. Yeah. Maybe you don't need the $800 unit. Maybe Mm -hmm. you only need the $300 unit. 
I think you what know, you uh, need, uh, just to interject, you need one with a vibrate function. And yeah. I'm, not, I'm not being a smart ass. No, I did, but we could go there too. But, but if you have the alternate option of a vibrate instead of the stimulation, I think most dogs would probably be better dogs. That's right. There's tone, there's vibrate, there's 18 different levels of stimulation. I mean, everything that we teach today is on such a low level, mm-hmm. like a two or a one. We're using the e-car to communicate is what we're doing. We're not using it to correct. It's not a negative connotation anymore. It's it's like having a Wi-Fi connection. It really is, you know. If you're using an e-car, you're using the modern technology that's available, and you use the leash, you teach everything with the long line and the leash, and you use the e-collar to continue to use that and send a – it's just an extended 400-foot leash now instead of a yeah. 20-foot leash. Hey, the monks of New Skeet are using e-collars now, and that's exactly how they're using them. And if they can use them, and they do, then so can we in a way that's appropriate. So, that's right. All, it's a tool. Yeah. Yep. Good. Um You've talked about Dave Walker and and the uh-huh. Smiths and other people like that. Are there other folks maybe you know that that we should read about or read their work that would help us in one way or another? Man, I have become a big proponent of Mr. Maurice Lindley. Yeah, uh, he has a simple training with Mo manual. Oh yeah, it's like yeah, 120 yeah. pages. But Maurice, you know, Maurice is is because. I don't know if he became deaf later in life or he he's mostly deaf, but if you want to watch a guy that's very methodical and very just awesome and his literature's great. I love Dave. Uh, Dave's a great guy. Um, but Dave's book was hard to read. It was hard to follow. It was like, yeah. Hey, where are you at? You know, I, I don't, it was jumping over here and jumping over there. And I don't, I hate to knock Dave, but I'm, and I'm not cause he knows it, but the book, the book was hard to read and hard to follow. And, Maurice has done a nice job. Um, we we recorded 112 short two minute videos with uh, with a company, a media company, and we're hoping to release that Great. pretty soon. That would be a phenomenal thing. Here's the one thing I would say is when you jump on the internet and you jump on YouTube, it's like trying to drink from a fire hydrant. And there's so much information coming at you so quickly. Most times you get confused or you don't get the system down right. And then when you try to train your dog, you end up bringing that confusion forward with you. So find a method and, you know, whether it's Rick or Ronnie or Maurice or whoever, whatever the method is, find that method and try to understand that method and work that method until you get where, you know, until you are very proficient with that method. And 99% of the time you'll be successful with your dog. Amen to that. And that's a good place to to end it for today. I can't wait to see your videos. That's Jared Moss. You can learn more about him and his operation at bestgundogs.com. Bestgundogs.com. And um, hope you learned something from him today. We've got lots more to talk about here on the Upland Nation podcast. I'll clue you into one of my favorite Nebraska public access spots. And a few other things, including a nice quote. It's all coming up. But first off, Jared Moss, thanks so much for being a part of the Upland Nation podcast. Oh, I had a great time. Thanks for inviting me. Same here. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye now. (laughs) 
yeah, like I said, a little bit more to come. Thank you so much again, Jared. Man, I learned something. I, I love learning stuff. And hopefully you do too. In fact, learn this about Dr. Tim's performance dog food right now. You know, for dogs that hunt most days of the season, uh, he's got a formulation for you. High fat, high protein, low carb formulas that also have, and this is the key, also have highest levels of essential omega-3 fatty acids and loaded with antioxidants. All that other stuff doesn't matter unless the quality of that fat, protein, and carbohydrate is good enough to have those omega-3 fatty acids and the antioxidants. Working on a new video with Dr. Tim Hunt right now about just that topic. Antioxidants are just crucial. And soon enough, you'll learn why in our video. Learn more about his foods at drtims.com. Take 30% off your first order. Just use the promotion code UplandNation at checkout. That's drtims.com. This land is your land. And while it's no longer the home of the mothership Cabela's, Sydney, Nebraska still has plenty going for it. They still got a store there. They just don't have the corporate headquarters there anymore. You, you know, you see it right off the highway there. Well, camp at the Cabela's RV park right there. Get yourself the hard copy, the app, or the digital version of the Outdoor Nebraska Hunting Atlas and then head in these general directions. First off, south. Drive towards Colorado and those big wind turbines that you'll see in the distance. There's a pile of public access land there. It's all walk-in, so it's, you know, it's crops and then fallow fields and the farmers have let you hunt in many of them. The joy of those is it's kind of a checkerboard, so you, you're allowed to hunt the, bear, the bearish ground but the birds are taking advantage of the crops too. So you've got a bonus there. And every once in a while, the owner of those crops will drive by and say, hey man, you should try my spot right across the road there. So check those out next time you're heading through Sydney, Nebraska. Make sure you have the Atlas. And if you don't have it, sign up for it. Get it at OutdoorNebraska.gov. Yeah, the Upland Nation podcast is brought to you in part by my own website, findbirdhuntingspots.com. If, uh, if you're not signed up yet, sign up. We send out periodic notices, but you can always find out about them at our Facebook pages as well. New material every week, just like that, to help you find places to hunt, plus some training and care advice on your dog and a few other bits and pieces of stuff that you might find useful, including most recently three cheapskate tips so that you don't have to go to the veterinarian for that pesky, you know, annoying little thing. Just have the right gear and the right stuff and you probably should be able to handle it yourself. And with that in mind, we're about done here. Thanks for listening to the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. Thank you, Jared Moss, for being a part 
bestgundogs.com is where you learn more about him. Watch for those videos as well. Thank you to all our sponsors. Welcome to the Huron, South Dakota folks as well. And to everybody who responded on Facebook to our question about here, or is it here? And thank you, Sydney Nebraska, for 25 years of memories. Boy, oh boy. Not, not saying goodbye, saying see you soon. I'll leave you with this quote from Edward Hoagland. He says, in order to really enjoy a dog, was it, one doesn't merely try to train him to be semi-human. The point of it is to open oneself to the possibility of becoming partly a dog. Words to live by, aspire to. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, hope to see you in the field. <laughs>